Amen. Amen. Well, God is good. Such a wonderful day in the Lord's presence and it's always wonderful to be here. So if you would open your Bible into 1 Thessalonians, just one verse of scripture, if you wouldn't mind standing for the word of God in honor of the word of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and just one verse of scripture, verse 23. And the Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to read it in the New Living Translation. It says, May the God of peace set you apart for himself. May every part of you be set apart for God. May your spirit and your soul and your body be kept complete. Amen. I want to speak to you this evening about being emotionally healthy. Amen. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness of what you've already done in the house today. For those that, God, that were baptized this morning, Lord, those that were touched We pray, oh God, that as we minister this evening, Lord, that you will bring revelation, Lord, that you will touch our hearts, touch my lips of clay, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Amen. So as soon as you mention the word emotional, most men tap out. Now, before all of you men do tap out, and believe, you know, you think you're not emotional, think about how you would react or would react if the West Coast Eagles or the Fremantle Dockers won the National League. You would not sit there in front of your TV and say, that was great. No, you'd be jumping up and down shouting, yes. Or tell me that you don't get emotional if you hit a hole in one in one of the Margaret River golf courses. Or when your wife throws out your favourite 20-year-old faded T-shirt. Men have emotions. They don't like to admit they do, but, and we know that women have, you know, show their emotions more, but we all have emotions. That's the way that God created us, both male and female, with emotions. And as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, God desires us to be healthy in our spirit, our soul, and our body. To be emotionally healthy, you need to pay attention to all three aspects of you. Emotional instability can occur in anyone's life. Two of the main areas that instability happens is when something occurs that we cannot control or are unable to stop or fix. Example, the pandemic that we have just experienced. Or when a significant loss occurs, like the death of a close loved one or the loss of a job. Grief is not an emotion that we only feel when someone dies. Grief occurs when we lose a job, we lose a friendship, we lose wealth or going into retirement. Basically, any major change in our life can bring grief. The process of grief is important to help us get back to emotional stability. I've counseled with people whose loved one may have died 10 years ago but the rawness or the emotion of their loved one passing is as real today as it was 10 years ago because they've never gone through the process of grief. In the case of of a loved one, 
You will never stop missing or loving the person, but you will learn to do life without them physically in your day-to-day life. That's what grief is. It's learning to be able to move on but still have that person or that loved one still alive in your life. What I've experienced with many people over the past almost three years is because of the uncontrollable nature of the virus and the uncertainty of when it came to the government and what restrictions, changes they placed on people. And, you know, us over in New South Wales, you know, we had a lot harder than you guys did over here. Actually, and Victoria was just as bad. There was in one period last year where for 16 weeks, We weren't allowed to go to church. That was the longest in my entire Christian walk that I hadn't been in the house of God for 16 weeks. It made us really appreciate being able to gather together. I remember the first time that I walked back in the house and was able to sit, even though there was a few of us, I couldn't stop but weep when I thought of, of how we take for granted this and when it's taken away of how important and how valuable it is. So even though we couldn't control the virus and in reality not knowing what was going to occur in the future, emotional wellness was still possible and is still possible. Our perspective of what is normal and what is considered emotionally well is determined by our family of origin, our childhood and the life experiences we've had. Sadly, there seems to be an underlying belief that as an apostolic Christian, if I have times in my life where I have an, or am struggling with anxiety or depression or fear, that it means that I'm backsliding, not trusting God enough, not praying enough, or that there is sin in my life. Things like anxiety, depression, or fear are real. And to do, easily dismiss them as something you can get over by praying more, trusting God more, or working harder in the kingdom of God is insensitive and only produces more guilt and confusion in those who are experiencing those things. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that prayer, fasting, reading your Bible, claiming God's promises, working in the kingdom of God have no value when you experience these types of things. Yet I ask you tonight, how does a person respond when they pray and declare the promises of God, but the anxiety or the depression or fear is still there? The enemy has a field day with our thoughts. I don't have enough faith. God doesn't love me enough to heal me. This is my new normal forever. God is omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, and most of the time we don't understand his ways or his thoughts. His love for you and I never changes. And we, we know in First Peter 5, 7, it says, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he cares for you. We all have cares. Amen. That is part of being human. Isaiah 63 says, He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That tells me that when I hurt, God hurts with me. But we have an enemy of our soul that wants to destroy us and separate us from the Lord and his love. So especially when I am feeling anxious or depressed or fearful, that is when the Bible says the enemy comes in like a flood. So what do I do? Our spiritual disciplines are vital 
to maintain our relationship with the Lord and maintain our emotional stability. We may not feel like praying or reading our Bible or attending services, but despite where our emotions are, we walk by faith and not by sight. Practicing these disciplines will cultivate consistency and routine, which is a great balancer in our everyday life when we are feeling unstable in our emotions. And connecting with others helps to alleviate the I am all alone lie of the enemy. Our mind is where the battle is fought and it will determine whether we walk in victory or walk in defeat. Amen. It is as simple as that. What goes on in your mind will will make a difference whether you walk in victory or in defeat. Amen. What we allow our mind to dwell on, what we accept as truth in our minds, and what we feed our minds determines our daily walk. Proverbs 23, 7 says, What a man thinks, so in his heart, so is he. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. No one can arrest your thinking. Only you can. I can't physically get into Reverend Butcher's mind and arrest his thinking. He's got to do it for himself. I've got to do it for myself. You've got to do it for yourself. A common occurrence when we are experiencing anxiety, depression or fear is that our thinking focuses on thoughts that don't align with what is true. Then because of what we are feeling, our behavior reinforces those thoughts and it becomes a vicious cycle. The book of Romans helps us in many areas in our day-to-day spiritual walk. And this is what the Apostle Paul said in chapter 7, verse 21. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. This is what he says now. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Even the great apostle Paul struggled at times. God's word will at times not agree and will challenge our thinking of what we believe as truth. It tells us in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is alive. It has the power to change our thinking. We each have an inner battle. Just because I'm feeling anxious, or fearful at the moment does not mean that I have lost my faith. Amen. Hallelujah. As the apostle said, I love the word of God, but right now my actions and my thoughts aren't necessarily reflecting that. The fundamental foundation of becoming a Christian is that we are aware and acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a saviour. Once we are born again, that is the beginning of our journey to wholeness. It sometimes means realigning our thinking and challenging our beliefs with the word of God. Something that I say quite regularly is that God cannot fix what I don't acknowledge as broken. 
being aware of where we are at, uh, at emotionally, spiritually, and even physically is a great starting point. When we lack self-awareness, this can bring frustration and lead to having unhealthy relationships with others and with God. You and I need to be aware of the sin that so easily besets me. I need to be aware of my thought patterns and recognize when a certain thought is going to lead me down a path of anxiousness or fear. Here is a truth that is a reality and will never change. A truth that you and I as Christians must acknowledge, must embrace and must live if we are to have emotional well-being. I am a child of God. I am loved unconditionally by God. God knows the end from the beginning and nothing occurs that he doesn't know about and beyond that, that he is not allowed. That's it. I've got to understand that. I've got to believe that with all my heart, that God, I am a child of God, that God loves me and that everything that occurs in my life, he already knows. He has already seen. It has passed through his hands. As much as I don't like it, God allowed the pandemic to occur in our world. Despite me not liking it, I have peace because I know who is in control. He has got this. I may have had to remind myself of that two or three times or four times over the past few years. But the pandemic did not take God by surprise. And it challenged us, all of us, for our spiritual walk. And out of it, I pray that we all became stronger in the Lord, not weaker, but stronger in the Lord, that God, regardless of what happens in the world around me, I'm going to stand for truth. I'm going to continue to love you. I'm going to continue to have peace and know that you are in control. Hallelujah. If we can settle that truth in our mind and live it, When we experience things like anxiety, depression or fear, the truth that I am a child of God and that he loves me unconditionally and that he is in control will sustain me despite where my emotions are. It will be an anchor for me. Think about the anchors that are tied to ships. Having an anchor doesn't mean the ship doesn't get tossed in the wind or the waves. But the purpose of the anchor is to keep the ship safe and secure at a desired location or to help to control the ship during bad weather. A flimsy anchor will not hold when a storm hits, but a strong anchor is able to keep a mighty large ship from destruction. Here is what Hebrews 6.18 says. I'm using the Amplified Bible. It says, So that by two unchangeable things, His promise, what is his promise? That he has begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is his promise? That he will never leave you nor forsake you. And his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. This hope This confident assurance 
we have is an anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under the pressure that bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the holy temple. When our mind believes this truth, our behavior and our actions will reflect it. You and I have an anchor. Amen. You and I have an anchor. Hallelujah. God is still there. I may not feel him. I may have sweaty palms and a palpitating heart. But the truth of God's love and his nearness is still true. The Bible says that when King David was feeling discouraged and and fearful, the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. And you and I can do the same. There is power in our words. Speak to yourself. Reassure yourself. God is for me. God is with me. He watches over me. I am not alone. Hallelujah. Each one of us, it doesn't matter how long you have lived in the Lord, that at times there is times when fear comes in. I had a situation a couple of weeks ago that I was really, really sick. And as I laid there and I knew that, you know, there were certain things going on and I just kept repeating, what time I am afraid, I will trust you. What time I am afraid, I will trust you. I just kept saying it, laying on my bed. The devil is a liar. What time I am afraid, I will trust you. What was I doing? I was encouraging myself in the Lord. I was declaring that God, regardless of how I feel right now, you are still in control. My trust is still in you. Hallelujah. Emotional wellness needs to be founded on who we are in Christ, our identity in him. Emotional instability can occur when we are overcome with shame or guilt. It's important to understand the difference between shame and guilt. And here's a simple way to recognize one or one way which, you know, when we, to understand what we're experiencing. Shame says, I am bad. Guilt or conviction says, I did a bad thing. This is just a side note for you parents. When your child does something they shouldn't have, which all children do, It's important not to call them a bad boy or bad girl. What they did was bad and that may need correction or punishment depending on what it was. But never allow their developing identity become based around I am bad or I am good. We cannot allow who we are to be based or built around whether we are good or bad. It is God that makes us good. Amen. The Bible says that we put on his righteousness. Amen. My identity needs to be founded on what God thinks of me and the value that he puts on me. Amen. Here is a good way to recognize where your identity is at the moment. And I hope you all do this exercise. It's something that I ask people who struggle with their identity in Christ to do. Ask yourself, what does God think of me? What does God think of me? Write it down. Write the first thoughts that come to your mind. Then read over your response. Does it align with the word of God and who God says you are? If not, I encourage you to take time to discover what God's thoughts are towards you and renew your mind with those Bible verses. 
Jesus took our shame on the cross. Amen. So anytime we feel shame, that is not from God. God will not shame you. He will convict you. Amen. Learn the difference. Because if you learn the difference, you will recognize the source of the thought where the feeling is coming from. Don't own something that is not yours to own. Amen. It's like King David when he was putting on Saul's armor. If he had gone out to battle against Goliath with that armor on, he would not have prevailed and would not have fulfilled God's purpose. The reason Jesus took our shame is so we do not have to live under that anymore. Amen. Shame will cripple you into inaction. When you repent and are baptized in Jesus' name, he takes your shame. Amen. So if you are here tonight and you have not been baptized in Jesus' name and you feel shame, then I urge you to talk to the leadership of the church and and go through the salvation process. You don't have to live with shame. And if you've been a Christian for many years and live with shame, tonight you can be set free from that. Amen. Satan has kept you bound for too long. Tonight you can be free from shame and never, ever go back to that again. You and I can walk in victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We had a gentleman who was coming, recently coming to our church and one of our greeters came to me and they said, Sister Gina, this man would like a Bible study. So I started to chat with him and oh, he wants to be baptized. So I said, have you had a, bap- a Bible study yet? No. Okay. So one of, our, one of our men was walking past who does a lot of Bibles. I said, brother so-and-so, I said, would you give this brother a Bible study this week? And so they made a time together and they came together and, and the guy from our church who gave this gentleman a Bible study, he rang me after the Bible study. He was so excited. He said, you know, they just went through salvation and what baptism does and how the Lord remits our sins and, and forgives us and takes away our shame. And this man that he gave the Bible study is probably in his 50s, I guess, solid, you know, really big man and... He said, he rang me and he said, Sajina, he, when I showed him the scriptures, he sat there weeping. He said, why has nobody ever showed me this before? Such a powerful testimony of when we are willing to go and share the word, when we speak life into other people's lives. And that gentleman was baptized that following Sunday and now his wife's coming regularly as well. It's just such an amazing story of just one one thing, one Bible study has turned this family's life around. That is the power of the gospel, amen. That is the power that you and I have, hallelujah. Unforgiveness can bring emotional instability into our lives. When we're harboring unforgiveness towards someone, we see everything that other people do through the lens of that hurt or offence. When we have unforgiveness towards someone, fear has an opening in our lives. Understand that. You may have fear and not understand where it came from. If you have unforgiveness in your life, that is the door that opened the fear. Fear of that person hurting you again. Fear of others hurting you. This creates emotional instability. Here is an acronym for you 
to understand what fear that's worth remembering next time that fear knocks on your door. Fear stands for false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. I'm not talking about the fear that we feel when we're going to be jumping off a cliff or getting hit by a car. But it is the lies that the enemy comes to tell us in our mind that bring fear and cause us to be crippled in what we can do or say. Apart from it being a command in the word of God to forgive, unforgiveness will bring emotional instability into your life. Forgiving another does not mean they acknowledge they did wrong or they apologize or make restitution. And there is a difference between forgiveness and trust. I've had people to say to me they must not have forgiven because they don't trust the person anymore. Just because you forgive someone does not mean that you automatically trust them. Trust is, forgiveness is not a feeling, it is a command from the word of God. Trust is not a feeling, but rather trust is earned. Trust takes time, that is the difference. Unforgiveness empowers our history at the expense of our destiny. People who are emotionally well have boundaries and respect the boundaries of others. We understand that boundaries are anything that help to differentiate me from someone else. In the physical realm, we see gates, we see fences, that they are uh, boundaries. Property owners legally are responsible for what happens on their property. As humans, you and I need to have boundaries. Boundaries define what is me and what is not me. Boundaries also help to define what is on my property and what I'm responsible for. We are encouraged in Proverbs 4.23 to guard our heart with all diligence. Boundaries help us to do that. But I want you to understand that boundaries are not walls. If you were abused as a child and have not dealt with that and processed that, then you probably have a poor sense of boundaries. This is because when you were young, you were taught that your property did not really begin at your skin. Many times in that circumstance, the bad is kept in and the good out. But in the spiritual realm, boundaries are invisible. The way to create good boundaries is with your words. The most basic boundary word there is in the English language is no. This lets others know that you exist apart from them and that you are in control of you. Unfortunately, as humans, our sinful nature causes us to be self-centered. Anyone willing to admit that? People can put demands and guilt upon you and unless you have boundaries, they will walk all over you and manipulate you and you will give in to their requests. What happens is that you comply outwardly but inwardly you resent the person. Our words let people know where we stand. I'll give you an example of Let's take the example of gossiping, which I'm sure nobody here in this congregation does. If you have made a personal boundary that you will not listen or take part in gossip, those around you will soon know. They may try and penetrate that boundary, but the only way they can, they can is if you let them. It's important to know God and his truth. This will show you what God's boundaries are and how he operates. To be in touch with God's truth is to be in touch with reality. This is the only reality there is, is the truth of the word of God. Amen. 
this is what our reality needs to be based on. It doesn't need to be based on the world and what the world thinks. We march to the beat of a different drum from what the world goes to. If you think about where the world is today and the craziness that's going on in the world, it seems like what, what is actually good is being called bad and what is bad is being called good. So what do we do as a Christian? What do we stand on? What we, can we still say no? I'm still going to align myself with the word of God. Regardless if, if I stand apart, as the world grows darker, the separation between us and the world may get bigger. But what happens is the light of the Christian, it gets stronger because we continue to stand for truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We need to understand that our feelings, our attitudes and convictions are our responsibility. And we must own them to be able to acknowledge there is a problem somewhere. You know, I do, I counsel with people and they're like, well, it's his fault that I'm the way that I am. Or it's her fault. She made me do it. Or the devil made me do it. But that is, you are allowing what that person did to manipulate or to control you. That's when, no, I'm, this, I'm going to take control of how I react to this situation. I'm the one that's in control here, right? Understand that behaviour has consequence. Example, if you continue to eat the wrong food, you're going to get sick. Why should God heal you when you are abusing the temple that the Holy Ghost dwells in? We will never grow or mature or move forward if God bailed us out when our behaviour leads us into sin or trauma. From the very beginning of humanity with Adam and Eve, God gave humans boundaries. He told them not to eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. When they crossed the boundary, there were consequences. We know the Bible tells us we're going to reap what we sow. If you continually are rescued or continue to rescue another from the natural consequences of their behavior, you are rendering yourself or them powerless. We need to take responsibility for our choices. Amen. This leads to self-control. When I stand before God on that day, I cannot blame someone else because I'm not ready to meet my maker. God is going to say, what did you do? Where are you standing? I am in control of my choices. Amen. The Bible tells us in Galatians that temperance or self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Nowhere in the Bible does it encourage us to have others' control. Self-control. Having boundaries helps us, prevent us from going down that path. When we can't control others, we revert to trying, when we can't control ourselves, we revert to trying to control others, to compensate for our lack of control. Controllers are undisciplined people. Setting limits on our, others and ourselves are important for boundaries. Boundaries are set in our thinking, owning our thoughts, growing in knowledge and expanding our mind, clarifying distorted thinking. Amen. The Bible tells us that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to what? <coughs> the power that works within us. Amen. What is that power? Whose power is it? 
It is, is it our soulish power or the power of God that dominates our life? Amen. Did you know that God will not violate your boundaries so that he can relate to you? If God who made you doesn't cross your boundaries, then why should other people? We don't inherit boundaries. They are built. Parents teach your children to build boundaries. Boundaries are an important component to being emotionally healthy. Another aspect of emotional wellness is living with an attitude of gratitude. Being thankful. You may say to me, well, not much is going right in my life at the moment. Not sure what I have that I can be thankful for. Well, let me help you a bit. Thankful that you woke up this morning. I don't see any bodies lying around here tonight. Amen. Thankful that you had a bed to sleep in last night. Thankful that you had food to eat today, a car to drive, a job to go to. You own a Bible. You're able to freely worship and pray. You have a sound mind. You have legs that work, hands that work, eyes that see, ears that hear. Amen. And you and I each individually have things that we can be thankful for every single day. Every single day. I promise you if you can if you can cultivate an attitude of gratitude in your life, it will change your life because you will see things from a different perspective. That God, I am thankful for everything that you have done. We sang that song tonight. All my life you have been faithful. From the day that you were born until today, God has been watching over you. Regardless of where you've been and what you've done, God is still there and he will continue to still be there. Hallelujah. We've got to be thankful people. When we are intentional about being thankful, it forces us to look outside of ourselves and to God for his goodness and others for their value in our life. There are so many aspects of emotional wellness that we could discuss tonight. But before I give you a brief overview of what we've gone through tonight, I said at the beginning that we are soul, spirit and body. That's what that scripture said. Our soul is made up of our mind, our will and our emotions. Our spirit is the part of us that we communicate with God, which we have discussed. But let me briefly touch on the body side of us. Uh Uh-oh. I know the Bible says the bodily exercise profits little, but it does profit. The Bible says also in 1 Corinthians 6, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Listen to this now. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God in your body. That is the physical part of you. Many times when people come for counselling, I suggest for them to go and get go to the doctor and get a physical examination and get a blood test. Because not everything is Satan's fault. Not everything is spiritual. Sometimes there is a physical reason for the way that we feel. Sometimes it's our unhealthy lifestyle or bad eating habits, or bad sleeping habits, our lack of bodily movement, 
that can cause issues in our physical body. We need to take care of our bodies. Amen. If I'm going to serve in the kingdom of God, I need to be physically well. I need to be spiritually well. I need my mind to be emotionally healthy. Why? Because I want to be effective in the kingdom of God. Amen. My encouragement to you tonight is don't neglect your body. It needs taken care of. God has entrusted you with your body. There would be many people in the hospital or in the graveyard that would happily take your place and take care of your body. So in closing tonight, emotional wellness comes from having a balance in our physical, our spiritual and emotional life. And this encompasses communicating daily with God in prayer and his word. Being in community, the church, we were never meant to live in isolation. Giving, taking care of our physical body, not harboring unforgiveness, knowing or understanding our identity in Christ, allowing ourselves to grieve in times of loss, having self-awareness, cultivating healthy relationships, living with an attitude of gratitude, living today rather than regretting yesterday and fearing tomorrow. When it comes to the significant others in our lives, live life today as if it were to be our last. Dealing with issues rather than excusing them with, well, that's who I am. Take me as I am. Sorry, but that's a cop-out. And an easy way of looking, it's, it's the, a cop-out, an easy way out of looking inside and having to change. God's desire is for us to be emotionally, spiritually and physically healthy. So my challenge for you tonight, is, is there something within you that you need to forgive? Is there someone or some situation that you've allowed to keep you in the past rather than moving forward into the future? Is it something to do with boundaries that you understand that maybe I don't have boundaries or maybe I'm, I don't respect the boundaries of others? Is it that you need God to touch you spiritually and say, God, the fear and the anxiety I'm feeling at the moment there's so much shame and guilt that comes with that, especially as a Christian. It's better than what it used to be, but still there's a stigma if we feel that we are suffer- we're fearful or we, we feel we suffer anxiety or depression, that there's something wrong with us spiritually. That's not necessarily the case. But we've got to look at what is the root of it. Where did it come from? Is it something within my life? What is that sin that so easily besets me? Each one of us has something that can turn us away from the Lord. What is that for you? Is it a matter of recommitting God? I recognize that. I'm not going to allow that to come into my life and to destroy me. The most important thing for you and I as Christians is that we make it to heaven. And to do that, I need to be emotionally, spiritually and physically well. That I know that I'm on the right path. Hallelujah. Let's stand tonight.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we worship you tonight. I feel your presence, Lord, and I know that you are speaking to the hearts of your people. Your desire, oh God, is that we are emotionally healthy, that we are spiritually healthy, oh God. Lord, you are speaking to the hearts of people right now that they recognize that there are things in their life that they need to make right with you. Hallelujah. For some of you, it's going to feel like you're on a, a table getting surgery done, that God is digging out some things out of your heart that have been there for a long time. The unforgiveness, the not letting go, the constant reminder of what was done or what they did. God is saying, tonight is the night to let it go, to bring it to him and leave it with him, not allow it to continue to control your life. Release it unto the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. The shame that you have felt, God wants to set you free from it tonight. In Jesus' name, Lord, we come against that lie right now. Lord, the shame, Lord, that some have worn like a garment, God, like the beggar man, that when you called him, He threw off his garment. Lord, tonight we throw it off in Jesus' name. Shame right now in Jesus' name. Loose your hold. We are not going to allow you to have control anymore. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We come against fear right now in Jesus' name. Fear of the unknown. Fear of dying. Oh, God. In Jesus' name, we break those chains right now. Be loose right now in Jesus' name. Every fear to go right now.